Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show. This is your host, Chris Cypher73 Cabrera. And I'm kind of going a little off kilter. Normally, you know, my, my interviews go on the route of the paranormal, art, music. But, you know, I'm a huge fan of sports. And uh, particularly my, my favorite team is the New York Mets. So uh, I've been following this individual for about a year now. His name is uh, Ryan Finkelstein. And uh, thank you, man, for coming on. Yeah, for sure. Happy to be here. All right, brother. Let me run through a little dossier of your background, okay? This is what no I problem. found, my, my research. All right, you're a graduate of Florida Atlantic University. What What did you uh, major in? Journalism. Journalism, and you got the yeah. degree? You're good to go? Yeah, got the degree. Multimedia right. journalism, I think is what it actually says. <laughs> All right, man. Um, managing editor of Just Baseball, uh, former associate editor of MetsmerizedOnline.com. Ryan has contributed and written for various publications such as 12 Up, The Cardinal Nation, Sports, Lifestyle, and Culture, and Playmaker uh, Headquarters, or HQ. Um, yep. And currently, he's the host of Locked On Mets, the only daily podcast on the New York Mets. All right, brother. So right. Uh, we were just talking, and uh, yeah, the past calendar month has been really rough, man. Um, I think it was, what, in June, we were 10, ga- 10 and a half games up. Yeah. Um, we, everything was looking great, and and then all of a sudden the Braves decided they just didn't want to lose. Um, but I think there was a lot of missed opportunities by us. Uh, do you agree? Disagree? Yeah, this past month there was a lot of missed missed chances there. I mean, you you had the sweep at the hands of the Cubs, and, and I mean the Cubs aren't the Pirates in that division, so uh, I do think that that's a better baseball team than we probably give them credit for. But still, to get swept and not even take a game that hurt. To lose to the Nationals, and we're watching right now. The Mets are about to sweep the Nationals. That's a terrible team. There's so many games, even like I was thinking that the Athletics game. You give Jacob DeGrama three or four run lead in the first inning, you don't win that game. So just just a lot of missed chances. And if they won, especially when it's a division this close, where I'm not sure what the Braves are going to do today, but they might finish with the exact same record as Atlanta uh, to get to that point where one game, could have made the difference. Right. Uh, and right. particularly with the way they played this last month, because when, when they beat the Dodgers at the end of August leading into September, you felt like they had kind of won the division. They had a three-game lead, and you looked at the schedule, and you only saw that series with the Braves and one against the Brewers uh, that looked difficult. And so then uh, the way it's played out has been a little unfortunate. I think it's kind of taken away from what's been a, an amazing season where I'm at the point now that the season's over, and I'm able to step back and go like, it's the first time the Mets have ever won 100 games since I've been alive. So maybe I should appreciate what we just watched a little bit. Uh, but the ending just makes it a little bittersweet. Right, right. So um, when did you when did you become a fan? I was born into it, man. My dad is uh, from New Jersey, big time Mets fan. I, I was in Mets clothes before I could walk. So yeah, this <laughs> this was not a choice for me. I, I just I, I'm fortunate now that I'm able to have it as part of my career. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's not just pain as a Mets fan. You know, there's a little bit that comes with it now. Uh, but yeah, it's been you know, it's it's been a good ride. I've, I've always was a diehard Mets fan, and I always, uh, you know, me and my dad would always be talking Mets baseball. So it's kind of crazy that now I've I've taken a career path that leads right into that. So what years? What years did you start? Like I know you were born into it, but what years were those? Yeah, so I was born in '95. Uh, Piazza wow. was my favorite player. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh man, I'm an old guy, man. I'm 49. I started <laughs> in '83, bro. <laughs> sorry, sorry to make you feel old, man. I, some no, days it, I'm feeling it's cool. I, 
it's funny. The company that I'm working for, it's just baseball. A lot of these guys are, you know, right out of college and yeah. I'm like the elder statesman. I'm starting to feel a little old. Like <laughs> my, my girl the other day, when I just turned, when I turned 27, she's like, you're in your late twenties. I'm like, don't tell me. I'm not in my, my mid twenties still. All right. There you, Give me some time. there you go. Let her know. I'm in my mid twenties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm still my pride, man. But uh, yeah. So I, I, Mike Piazza was like my, my, my first favorite player. I cried when Ron Ventura got traded to the Yankees, but I still wasn't quite into it. The 2006 Mets where I really kind of knew the game. I was a, I was a travel baseball player at the time. So I was, you know, baseball nuts. David Wright was my favorite player. I wore number five on my travel baseball team uh, because I loved Wright so much. So yeah, that was, that was where I really, really got into was those 06 to 08 teams with Beltran and Delgado and Wright. Yeah. Reyes was, was awesome too. too. Um, Yeah. You know, we got to talk about uh, Wright and Reyes. Like when I first saw them come up, after about a first few seasons, I was like, yeah, these guys are going to be Hall of Famers. They're not going to be like the next Daryl and Gooden, you know, even though Daryl and Gooden, they 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 kind of were their own worst enemy. Yeah. Um, with Wright, it was the injuries and same thing pretty much with Reyes. He kind of wasn't the same player after he left the Mets, you know. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was tough for you watching that, you know, um, you know, once after that 2006 season and, and they just kind of just disappeared like you know everybody yeah. rode off into to different directions you know and i don't know it was crazy but uh but tell me a little bit more about your, your background um ryan you know you're born raised where in jersey you said or you were no so, so my dad's from jersey uh but him and my mom they moved to south florida so I, i'm born and raised in south florida okay so so what led you down the path to where you are right now currently yeah, man. So I was I was a big baseball player in, in South Florida, like travel baseball. We're we're three sixty five. It's it's every month we're playing. We were playing every day of the week. I, I played into high school. Um, once kind of the playing career ended, I, I was kind of lost for a couple of years. Didn't really know what I was gonna do. Didn't know what I was interested in, and I just kind so, of fell into it. Why did the Why did the career end? Uh, I got cut. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. I, I got, got you. I got cut, man. Yeah, I I, uh, I I couldn't make that jump. I uh, I was I was a pitcher, and uh, I didn't really do much else, and I didn't throw gas or anything. So uh, I always had the good numbers. I, right. You know, they threw me out there, but uh, the the varsity coach eventually was looking at me throwing in the you know low seventies, and he's like, "Yeah, this kid's not gonna not gonna cut it at the at the next level." So I got cut. Uh, you know, went through a period uh, a little bit where I. Again, really didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, right. Went through some tough times. And then when I was 19 going into 20, I, I had gone to school, came back into my parents' house. The Mets were gone on that run 2015. And uh, I wrote for Mets Marais. I wrote an article about Yuenis uh, Cespedes and Daniel Murphy. And it was the Mets got to sign this guy, but not the guy you're thinking of. And it was that they should extend Daniel Murphy after the season, not Yuenis Cespedes. And I was talking about David Wright's injury. I, I read it back now. I was so spot on, but uh, <laughs> it was, it's crazy. But man. it's the truth, though. Yeah, it is it, the truth. It, it was, look at what look at what Cespedes did to us. You know, look, look at Cespedes. And my my argument was like you had Wright on the way out. You had Duda, where I was like Murphy could play for. Bottom line, I, I was a fan shot for Metsmerize. The guys like this is awesome. Would you want to be a writer on the site? Started doing that. Changed my major to journalism, and then I just kind of caught the bug, and I was. Uh, throughout college just interning wherever i could freelance writing eventually got to the point where it's making eight dollars in article places and it was like the greatest thing ever to get paid to write about sports and right right i uh, just kind of grew from there and um i locked on podcast network that happened when i was 
uh, final year of college, I had done a podcast with my uncle for a couple of years just because I kind of saw the way the space was growing. And I thought I should probably learn how to do this. And my uncle was was really into to, to, he was a computer teacher at a high school. So he kind of knew how to set set me up. So I got some some reps in doing that. Uh, I was listening to I'm actually a Miami Heat fan for basketball. Uh, OK, so hold up. So you're a Miami Heat fan. You're a Mets yeah. fan. Uh, don't tell me you're a Jersey Devils fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All right. So my dad gave me the Giants right. and the Mets for football okay. and baseball. Giants. Okay. I'm a Giants fan. Yes. Yeah. So so he he's my dad's not a big basketball fan. And I thank him that I'm not a Knicks fan because of it. Um, and so I grew up down here in South Florida. Shaq comes into town when I'm like, I don't know, seven or eight years old, or I missed mean, maybe it was nine, but yeah. Shaq and D Wade, I became a huge Heat fan from that and been a Heat fan ever since. So um anyway, I was listening to Locked On Heat. And I was like, wait a minute, you're a team every day. Do they do this for the Mets? And I was just trying to listen to Locked On Mets, actually. And I go to the website, I see all these things where it had like the the pod art of what it was going to be, but it said like coming soon. I'm like, all right. And at the time, our CEO, David Locke, his email was right on the website. So I reached out and said, you know, I'm into podcasting. I'm a journalism major. I'd love to host the show. I ended up talking to him on the phone. And at the time, I had no followers on Twitter or anything. And he basically just told me like, We'll keep you in mind, but you know, kind of know. It's been a couple of weeks. I still didn't really see a show up or anything. And so I just started emailing him uh episodes like as if I had the show. And I guess he liked what he heard enough and he basically gave me a shot with it. And um, you know, four years later, I guess, or four seasons later, here I am. Wow. So it so it took you to kind of like create the show before it was even created. Yeah. And kind of like shove it down their throats in order for them basically, to Basically, like, I mean, you know, if it was got- if it was talent. three years later with where the network is, they wouldn't have hired me, but it was, they were just starting the baseball channel. And I'm, I'm one of the longest, uh, there's, there's probably a couple guys that are on the MLB channel a little before me, but I'm, I'm basically one of kind of the, the founding, you know, you know, shows that, that have you know, stuck through the whole time. So, so how did, ju- how did just baseball uh, start? Was that so, something already established? Uh, so Arm Layton, who's uh one of our co-founders who's, who started the company, he, uh he hosted locked on Marlins. So I, I was friendly with him from that and he grew up down here. So we just have similar backgrounds and uh, yeah, I saw what he was doing with just baseball at the time. I was, I was a pizza delivery driver uh, and a podcast. So that's what I was. I did. I delivered pizza all throughout started when I was in high school, all through college, put me through everything. So I was doing all that stuff. And, I, and all I was working on at that point was mesmerized. And I saw this new company and I was like, I think that there is going to be a lane here to really have a big role. So I spoke to him about it and, uh, you know, just kind of worked my way through that. And now I'm the managing editor. So, yeah, it was uh, it's a really exciting company where we're I guess this was technically our third season or maybe our second. season. I think we started in the 2021 season. This was my first season start to finish. Um, and, yeah, we're growing fast. It's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and kind of for someone that as much as I love podcasting and that's really been a, a good path for me, like I'm always a writer. That's always kind of my backbone. So right. it's been good to kind of have that type of a role and, and really help a lot of these other younger writers that are getting their starts the way I did when I was, you know, in college coming up. And what was some of your like um do you remember any of like your best articles for like uh 12 up or any of the other publications and, and uh you know it's funny because I, I think like you know I was so 12 up was I did a couple of internships with them. So that was all that was a very news based. There was nothing really kind of that that would that uh, hit me there. I, I remember for um, Playmaker, I, I wrote a feature on David, or not David, right on uh, on Dwayne Wade when he was retiring. 
sweating men as as a as a heat fan watching his career so stuff like that that's kind of personal is always stuff that uh you know i, I really remember like i also i wrote one on jose fernandez uh for just baseball actually because i was at the, the first game after jose passed oh um, I yeah also, i also just happened as i was looking yeah. back i had been at every single start that jose had against the mets i believe there was four starts yeah great um, pitcher great pitcher and as a south Floridian, like You've never seen a Marlins game like when that dude was on the mound. It's just right. different. Right. And, you know, we were at the time, 2016, you know, the Mets were in the push for the wild card. And so me and my dad get these tickets and it's all about the Mets making this push. And we're wearing our Mets stuff going down there. And it's like, like, what do we do tonight? Do we root for the, for the mm-hmm. team? Like, what do we, and, and we get out there and it's just, you felt the weight yeah, just of everything. Every single person you saw, like it just, it, it felt like watching a baseball game in the middle of a funeral. And it was like, you can't root for the Mets today. This is about Jose. This is about the Marlins. And right. I mean, D Gordon hitting that home run was the craziest sports moment I've ever seen in person. Right. Of all the people to hit. Yeah. Of all the people, home run, you know, <laughs> did Bartolo groove him one probably, but yeah, it was, uh, I mean, you know, he still got to hit it though. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he did. And he hit it a long way, man. He hit a long way. He did. Not a dry yeah, I, in that ballpark, man. When he hit that home run. Yeah, I mean, when 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 you first see Jose Fernandez when he first gets called up, because I remember I think it was on ESPN when when he first got called up, they had a it was Tuesday night or Thursday night baseball. You could see the star right oh, away. Was, I mean, you yeah. knew it right away. Guy was you different. Know? He was he was so much fun to watch pitch. Like it was it was it sucked as a Mets fan because you knew that you were probably going to lose that game. Uh, I saw a couple. It was Harvey Harvey Fernandez for a couple starts. The first one when they were yeah. both kind of on the way up. The second one where Fernandez was at his peak and Harvey was was clearly on his way down. I think that was during that 2016 season. Right, so, right. Yeah. He what, was, what what do you what do you think is wrong with like these uh, particularly like with the Mets and these prospects that they they're they get touted very highly. They come they come up. They do great things initially, and then they just seems like they just can't handle it. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know. You know, I, I think that now we're kind of turning the page to a new era. So I, I feel like the franchise was so mismanaged under the Will Ponds that it's, it's hard to blame any individual player for anything that happened during those times. And certainly for Matt Harvey, I think that his career was greatly impacted with the way the franchise was run. Uh, but we'll see. It seems like they maybe turn the corner a bit. You know, Pete Alonso, I don't think he's slowing down at all. So he's maybe, uh, him and Jeff McNeil, really the latest kind of six homegrown guys that have, become all-stars that I think are going to be perennial all-stars. And I think the hope is now you're seeing the next wave with Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos coming up that these guys uh, can have really good long careers with the Mets and be really successful. Yeah. Um, McNeil reminds me in some ways of like a uh, Daniel Murphy in some ways, yeah. you know, yeah, just, just a pure hitter, just a pure yeah, hitter. And just consistent all the time. Um, it's, cra- it's crazy. Everyone was ready to give up on Jeff after last season. And, and you I, know, what's funny about both of them is that they were not touted highly defensively. But I believe that, and I know McNeil's worked really hard, but I think uh, Murphy worked really hard too because he was really good uh, defensive guy too. I mean, second base, he was okay. But I mean, like at first base, some of the trick plays that he would make, I mean, he he was very entertaining. Murphy was, he would make the highlight play that you'd never seen before and he'd miss all (laughs) five of the routine ones. He he was... Daniel Murphy was not a great defensive player, but to, to work the way he did to become a passable second baseman was crazy. Jeff McNeil is honestly like, I think we weren't sure if he, I, I don't know if he was ever considered a bad defender, but I don't think he was touted for his defense. Right. And I mean, I've, I've been made the argument. They had the new utility uh, gold glove this year. 
Right. I think that he should win it. I mean, what he yep. does in the outfield and the infield, no one else in the sport is that good in both both places. So he's been incredible defensively. I think he's one of the best defensive players in baseball. I agree. I, I definitely agree. Um, all right. So let, let's get back into like the sweep of of the Mets, you know, by the Braves. Um yeah, yeah. which is very heartbreaking. But uh the lineup without Marte, to me, oh man, when you see that lineup and Marte's not in there, it just changes everything. You know, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Just not having Marte in there, it's killing them. Uh, you know, they've been trying to figure out kind of how to structure the lineup without him in that two hole. We saw Pete Alonso get some at bats there, Lindor. I think they've found a sweet spot now with Nemo leading off, Lindor hitting second, McNeil batting third, and Alonso cleanup. I think that's a good four. Uh, but you just lose length in your lineup, and really, what happens here is. It basically puts you in this point where you have to play either Louis Guillorme or Tyler Naquin. Now, I love Louis Guillorme. I've been a huge Guillorme stand. I love what he does defensively. I think that is the move. I think you just focus on the fact that in the playoffs, <clears throat> you're trying to prevent runs. Go good defense. Guillorme at least gives you long at bats. He'll wear a pitcher down. Um, but it does hurt your lineup to have to go from Starling Marte to Louis Guillorme. It just does. And um, defensively, McNeil is is really good out in right field but he doesn't have the, the arm that Sterling Marte does either. So they're, they're missing him in a lot of different ways. And I think in this first series, it might not be a big deal, but I'm looking at that Dodger series and Sterling Marte is the Mets best bat against left-handed pitching. And the Dodgers have Clayton Kershaw, they have Julio Urias and they have Tyler Anderson. Three of their starters are all left-handed. So that's the one thing to me is that I really think they're going to miss him in that Dodger series. If he can't come back. Yeah. And those three, you know, they're nasty. <laughs> Those three lefties. They're, they're nasty. nasty. And if he does come back, he hasn't played in like three weeks. I know. I think it's September right. 6th he went out. So actually a month. So you're going to be taking at bats cold, basically. He's talented right. enough to do it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's that if the Mets don't make it where, uh, you know, we want them to go this year, you're going to look at that injury. I know people hate when when a fan makes excuse for a team because of injuries, but that's a big, big one for this team. Right. I, I, I Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it's obvious. You can tell things started to change when he wasn't in the lineup right away. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? Uh, the pitching. Okay, so DeGrom hasn't been pitching that great. Like, not to his level. And it seems like Walker's doing what he was doing last year, which is kind of fizzling out towards the end. Yeah. And then Carrasco's up and down. What are your thoughts on like those that situation right there? It, it's tough because uh, you know the Degrom thing. He set the bar so high for himself. I, I've I was mentioning this on another podcast this week when I was I was on the just baseball show and uh, my guy Arm Lane uh, on our group text. He was like Degrom's cooked. He was joking, but it was like man, come on. And then Degrom <laughs> struck out like nine of the next eleven batters that game against the Braves. His stuff is still nasty. He'll figure it out. The problem is he just spent four years where he wasn't human and now he's showing some humanity and it's not the, the right time. And I think part of it is just, you know, you don't have a full season. He came back and the stuff just played. And now he's working through your normal lumps that any pitcher will go through. It's just how quickly can he figure it out? I, I think he'll rise to the moment. I'm not worried about the Grom really, um, you know, Scherzer didn't have his best outing against the Braves, but that's a good team. And playing the Braves in Atlanta is a lot different than playing the Padres at home. So I think that those two will be fine. I think that they're good enough. And the the prospect of going into that wild card round where you could have most of the innings pitched by those two guys and Edwin Diaz, I feel pretty decent right now. I feel pretty confident the Mets are going to make it out of that one. When you get to that series against the Dodgers, though, Chris Bassett going against that team, 
we'll see what he looks like. There's sometimes where you get Bassett where he's on that that all the breaking pitches are working. He's he's that computer out there with all his different pitches, and you're like, God, oh, this right. guy's amazing. There's other times like against the Braves where he can't put anyone away. So Bassett is, is really the key to me. And then what they're gonna do with that final spot in the rotation, I, I think that. Even though we've been talking about the bullpen on year, I, I could see them leaning pretty heavily on the bullpen whenever one of those top three guys isn't starting, whether it's Carrasco or Walker. I could see them having a quick hook and going to that pen. Uh, I am curious which one gets the nod, if it's Carrasco or Walker. I kind of like Taiwan a little bit more right now, which is crazy because I've always been a Carrasco guy, but I think that Taiwan Walker's splitter is a, the best pitch that those two guys have. And so as a weapon against the Dodgers, I would maybe lead Taiwan, but I'm not confident in either of them, to be honest. And do you do you put uh, Trevor Williams on the playoff roster? Because I think they should have him on there. He's he's helped us out so much. So so here's the thing. I, I The fact that he started today makes me think at least he's not going to be on the roster for this next round, um, which is fine. It's a three-game series. How much are you going to need him? It depends. It's, it's tough because... Like put it this way, I put him on the playoff roster over Tyler McGill because McGill hasn't shown anything coming out of the pen yet. Would I put him on the playoff roster over David Peterson? I would not. I think Peterson has better stuff, and I think it's good to have an additional lefty. Um, whether Joelli, I think Joelli has thrown the ball a little bit better, so I could see Joelli being in your bullpen, but you start to add him up. You got Joelli, Peterson, Edwin Diaz, Adam Adovino, Seth Lugo, Drew Smith. That gets you to six. Um Whoever's not in the rotation, Carrasco or Walker, I can't see them leaving them off a playoff roster. And so I still think one of them wouldn't get the nod before Trevor Williams. Then the question to me is, do you want Trevor Williams or do you want Terrence Gore? That's where I'm at. I actually think that's the conversation. And I think I might lean Terrence Gore because I just think that you might use him more than I could see them going through a whole playoff series without ever actually calling on Williams where I could see in a big spot where it's a tie game in a late inning and Daniel Vogel back draws a walk. That's the thing. You, you if you Gore. have Vogel, you have to have Gore. That's the thing. They kind so. of are a package. I think so. And so I think that they carry the extra position player and that could cost Trevor Williams his spot in, in a playoff open. But it, even if it does, I mean, the guy has been so good for them this year. He He's the type of inning seater veteran that you need to get through a regular season. And unfortunately, he just might not be quite good enough to be on your your playoff roster. Yeah, man. I I, I think uh, we need him. Yeah, later on down the line, but I, we I definitely got to have him. I bet you. I bet you. Williams makes it on. He'll be on the roster for one of the series. I don't know if he'll be on for all the series. He's not. I don't think he'll be on for the wild card round. But I, I think, especially when you get into a seven game series, maybe that's where they think they need him a little bit more. You think McGill comes or no? You think they leave him off? I think I think McGill he he just didn't he didn't show enough out of the pen and right. you know he's not stretched out to be a starter. I think Tyler McGill is going to be a big part of their rotation next year. I think he's going to have a chance to win a job out of camp, but based on the injury he had, like I, I don't know how you could put McGill in there over Williams or even a David Peterson. I mean Peterson I uh, has just been better this year. I think he has. Right now, I like Peterson's stuff more than honestly a lot of the guys that are pitching yeah. the bullpen. His slider is nasty. Yeah, he's not a uh, he's not as consistent though this year, uh, Peterson. He's up and down too, but he's out of the lot. He's probably the best. Yeah, I'll, and I'll, and I'll honestly, when I look at the future of the Mets rotation, I mean, obviously Scherzer's locked up for two more years. Hopefully, they re-sign Degrom, but like 
David Peterson has, is as much of a lock that I can think of to be in the rotation for the next five years as pretty much anyone the Mets have. I mean, he's right. he, he's cheap. He's a good lefty. And I think he'll continue to get better. He's also a former first-round pick, so you always can kind of project right. that those guys might um, find themselves a little more as they get you know through their so career. Do, so do you think he's what – what we what we wanted in mats i think so and honestly I, you know it's funny because I, I did this whole thing at, at some point probably when when, when mats was was finally uh traded where i basically compared mass to john niece because john niece got killed throughout yeah. his mets tenure and the problem was john niece had to be the ace of a terrible team but you look at John Neese's numbers, and he's he really had a pretty solid career. So if yeah. David Peterson could be a John Neese where he's actually in the proper role, where he's your fifth starter for the next couple of years, I think the Mets will be pretty happy with what they get out of him. Yeah, Neese, Neese's role was very similar to Shields. Remember Shields when they had yeah. a kind of – he was kind of like our ace for a little bit. But he yeah. wasn't that bad, though, you know? Yeah. He wasn't that bad. All right, so, you know, I I, I – read message boards, you know, I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and, you know, people tend to think that uh, the Wilpons, they, that they're like completely gone, which they are, you know, they sold, they sold the team to, to Cohen and whatnot, but I still believe they have somewhat of an imprint on the Mets and that's through their mind, through, through the minor league system. And I feel because of that, we weren't able to make the deals like the San Diego Padres were able to make because we don't have that great of a minor league system uh, and we weren't willing to trade our top prospects, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you agree with that? What are your thoughts on that? On, on and, and what do you feel about like uh, the, the acquisitions? Because I mean, I like Vogel back, I'm pretty sure he's a nice guy, you know. Uh, he's got power, but I mean, he clogs the bases, he's not consistent. I like I like Naquin, even though they I, I believe they acquired him before the trade deadline. Um, because he's athletic, he's got some pop. He could play, you know, he could play the field. Um, and then rough. I mean, horrible. you know, <laughs> horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on that, man? Well, I would say that as much as the deadline as a whole wasn't a success when we look back on it, you look around baseball, no one won the deadline. I mean, even the Padres, they won the deadline, but like Juan Soto didn't start hitting until two weeks ago. Right. So. <laughs> It's it's you know the deadline's always a crapshoot. I think to your larger point about the farm system, I mean, I've talked to a couple of pro- prospects that have been in other places. Like the Mets were in the Stone Ages with with the, everything. Like they didn't they they were cutting money everywhere they could, and a lot of that ended up in the farm system. Now they've done an incredible job. If you look at their first round picks, they actually have a really good scouting department. But I think their player development was a little bit behind. So I think that's that's part of what's going to continue to grow. I think the more that Steve Cohen's in the organization, the more he's investing across the board, the more you're going to see that stuff get better. I don't think that the Wilpons have any continued role in the organization in any way, but you're still pulling yourself out of the hole that they put the organization right. in. So I think over time, all that will get better. I'm looking at you know what they just did in the draft. They got a couple of really nice prospects in the first round. Kevin Parada, who's already kind of a consensus top 100 guy right now. Uh, Jet Williams looks right. to maybe be like that replacement for what you lost, giving up Pete Crow Armstrong last year. So I think the farm system's on the way up. And just by virtue of having someone like Steve Cohen that's going to be looking for any advantage he can get, it's just bound to be better. And if it's not good, you just you pay away your problems. But the, the right. reality is the Braves, <laughs> when it comes to developing their players, have a, a well-oiled machine that has been churning for a long time. 
And so it's really tough to bridge that gap. And the fact that the Mets were able to this year in just his second season really is a testament to everything that he's invested into the franchise. Right. Awesome, brother. I like that answer, man. Um, There, there was a post that you put up on Twitter on the 2nd of... <laughs> I think I, know, I think you know what I'm talking about on October the second, and this is after uh, Vientos uh, struck out. It was one where your dad said, "Our farm system sucks," <laughs> but I know, but I know it was you know emotional. He was emotional, and he he does he didn't really mean that. But what what what's your grade on our farm system, and um, you know the the guys that they they just recently called up. That's why I love watching games with my dad and I love talking <laughs> to him because he, he kind of gives me like an insight on the emotional Mets fan. Not that I'm not still a Mets fan. It's not like I don't care when they win or lose. But when I'm, I, whenever stuff happens, I, I'm always turning it in the lens of how am I going to make this my next show, my article, whatever. So I, I just don't get as high or low anymore. So he really keeps like a, he, he gives me like a, a pulse of the fan base. But uh, I think the farm system's in a good spot. I, I think you're seeing, Right now, Francisco Alvarez, like that that's your future right there. To see the talent he has, he's going to be a big player. I love Brett Beatty. I think Mark Vientos, whether he's with the team or he's a trade piece, I think next year he's going to get a lot of run at DH, and I think he's going to show a lot of people the power because I, I, I legitimately believe he could be a 40-home run guy, whether that is a 40-home run guy that gets on base at a 280 clip or right. a 40-home run guy that's a potential all-star who's getting on base at a good clip. We'll find out. But I think those guys are really promising that are that are pretty much here. And I, I like some of the guys coming up, like Alex Ramirez. Watch out for him as a center fielder. Uh, they have a lot of pitching right now that's just kind of scratching the surface, and you don't know how they're going to pan out, but there's a lot in the pipeline. You look at the St. Lucie Mets that won the championship this year in low A. Um, there was a lot of talent that came through there this year that is going to start to get into the higher levels, and that, that's really where you can tell – what they're going to be when they get the high A, double A. That's where you start to see what the, the chops of these guys are. But I think the farm system is definitely trending up. Um, it was always a really top-heavy system, and it kind of still is. But I believe with the draft they just had, they're starting to get a little more um, depth in that farm. And we'll just see how they can fare in the international market. That's always kind of the big thing. Who are these guys that you're signing? What do they turn into? And like they got the big guy, Simone Juan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have no idea who's going to be. I could lie and tell you. I, I don't know. The guy's 18. I haven't watched him play right. baseball yet. Right. But in two years, he could be where Alex Ramirez is. And you think, okay, here's the, the next future of the Mets outfield. So it's definitely going the right direction. So um, what what do you see Alex Ramirez ceiling? Do you see him as like a Julio <laughs> Rodriguez type or? I don't know if I want to put that on him, you know, because that's, I mean, Julio Rodriguez is the 1% of prospects, right? You know, Julio Rodriguez, Michael Harris this year, these guys have just been insane. Uh, but he has the potential to be a five-tool center fielder. It's kind of like with Francisco Alvarez. I've thrown around a couple times just based on him getting called up and, you know, before he was like, what it would look like if he was called up at this age. And I compared him to Miguel Cabrera. Now, what I said was, he, there's no, I'm not saying he will be Miguel Cabrera. But there's a potential with his his talent that he could be. And you can't say that about a lot of prospects. So when you're talking about prospects, you're always looking at ceiling and floor. And I think with Ramirez, you're too far away to know what the floor is going to be. But the ceiling is really high. Right. So uh, other than the pop that you get from Alvarez, what else do you see from him? What does he have that's very similar to Miguel Cabrera that makes a lot of people think that he's going to be this superstar? Yeah, well, I mean, from watching it in person this year, I mean, the one thing I'll say about this dude is he's 
you know, he, he probably won't hit for the average that Cabrera did, but the game has kind of evolved. Like he takes hacks, man. Like it, like you feel it in, in the when you're watching him and you're close. I was at a minor league game, so you, you get pretty close. Like you feel the bat speed from from hundred feet away. I mean, the guy just takes monstrous hacks, and uh, you know, to, to hit at the levels he hit at at such a young age, that just shows you that you know he's a natural hitter, and over time as he develops an approach, it's kind of like what we've seen with Pete Alonso, where. You know, now he's got his strikeouts under 20%. It's an evolution, and, and it seems like he really cares about the game, really cares about improving. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to look like as a catcher yet, uh, but if he can be a passable catcher, the, the to get that type of an offensive player at the catcher position, that's going to be huge for the Mets. And now that they have the DH, you can do what the Mets would have loved to do for all these years with Piazza, where you can catch him when you get to the playoffs, he'll be your catcher, but you can get him off his feet through the season and really let him get through 162 as a really good hitter, too. So talk about Vientos, because I think that when you have a Alvarez and you have a Vientos, that's where the problem comes in, because they're very limited, yeah. right, defensively. And so you can't have both of them play DH at the same time. One of them might have to play the field. So you, you got to hope that one or both of them get adept at playing the field somewhere, whether Vientos plays. And that's another thing, too. What about Beatty? I mean, yeah. What what does he look like? I mean, yeah. uh, when I saw him hit that first home run, the swing wasn't even like a hard swing, and that ball went out. So yeah. he's got a very smooth swing, and he's got uh, what they call uh, uh, like hidden power. Like you don't expect it. Yeah. Um, but field wise, I mean, you hear a lot of different things, very similar to kind of Alonzo, where he, you know Alonzo wasn't touted as a really good fielder, but he worked on it, and now he's to me he's great. Um, what do you see, Beatty, Vientos, and Alvarez? How do they fit on this team? That's the thing. So it's it's tough because, um, you know, I, I think Beatty can be your third baseman next year. Uh, you know, you still have Eduardo Escobar. And, and I, I think you look at his season as a whole and you think, all right, you can get a replacement. You look at Escobar in September, you think this guy should be the starting third baseman for the right. next Right, and years. that's another thing too, Escobar. Like, uh, you know, he's he's not quick. Like he yeah. doesn't have a really good first step. Um, and we got him for a couple of years. So what do we do with him? You know, again, DH is, you can only put one person at DH, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, going into spring next year, Brett Beatty is going to be competing with Eduardo Escobar to be the starting third baseman. And I think he will ultimately win that job. And I think Escobar will get some time at third and second um, at DH. He'll be a bench guy. You know, he's a, he's a great leader. Um, Mark Vientos, they're an interesting spot with him because, uh, you could see him basically filling the role that they haven't been able to fill all year. J.D. Davis had it. Darren Ruff has had it. And he might have it. Vientos might be it in the playoffs. We don't know what they're going to do there. But I, I still see him as maybe that compliment. They'll have Vogel back back, so you could see the two of them being your DH next year. And I think that it becomes a problem if they're all great hitters. Yeah. So we'll see. You it's know, a good problem. I, it becomes <laughs> a good problem. Until then, you're just, you know, I, I think Vientos will – will factor into the mix. They could absolutely trade him this offseason. I could see that as well. Um, basically, defensively, if he's going to play defense in the big leagues, it's likely first base. And I think the Mets had that pretty much locked down with Pete. So uh, Vientos is in this spot where I he's almost in the same place that Don Smith has been, uh, where you just don't know the long-term potential. Right. But for now, I think he's a big league hitter. Um, I think he'll prove that next year. It's just a matter if that's with the Mets or if they use him as, as a trade piece. Yeah, you, you brought up Dom Smith, and I totally forgot. I totally forgot we had Dom Smith. So what do we do with Dom Smith? I mean, 
Probably you know? non-tendered. If I had to, if I had to, if I had to guess, which it yeah. sucks because I mean, Dom was, he's my favorite player on the team. Like, like who doesn't love Don Smith? You've been following him and following his career. He's such a good dude. Uh, but he's just, he struggled. And I, I honestly look forward to him going to like a pirates um, or some team that's doesn't have any chance of the playoffs, but before he gets into free agency, he can maybe just get 600 plate appearances on a bad team where he can just play first base every day where we know his defense is really strong and can try to build a career for himself. You know, uh, Ahmed Rosario, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a great player, but you know, he's, he's gotten the chance in Cleveland. He's been a, a key player for them still. So you see these guys, some guys have to leave the Mets um, to, to find success elsewhere. And then of course, if they do find success elsewhere, I know Mets it fans, sucks. Yeah. You, you hate it. You hate yeah, seeing Travis Darno on the Braves. I mean, trust me, I get it. Yeah. Um, but I know well, Murphy. Think, <laughs> Murphy, Murphy killed us. <laughs> well, Murphy, trust me, that's where I got my start writing. The Mets should have kept Murphy. <laughs> uh, but like Travis Darno, for example, that's a guy that as much as he's had success since he's left, I don't know if he ever would have had that success in New York. I, I, I feel like he had his, his opportunities. It didn't work out. Do I think the Mets should have bought, brought Darno back after Tommy John and only given him 25 plate appearances before they cut him? No, that was a Will Palm mistake. But right. You know, I don't know if he'd be an all-star with the Mets. And obviously, going to Tampa and then going to the Braves, he's been able to establish himself. Uh, 9-2, top of the fifth, by the way. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> six um, runs since we started talking? Or yeah, like that? six runs. Six runs, yeah. We, we're, we're lighting them up. Uh, I think, uh, man, I forgot who hit the, Somebody hit a home run. But anyway, um, all right. So we, we talked about the prospects. And I know that on Just Baseball, you, you concentrate a lot on prospects. And I'm a prospect guy. So we're going to go into, like, Again, our prospects for a little bit, and then we'll go into like prospects, you know, around the major leagues, if you don't mind. Yeah. For um, sure. Mauricio, next Soriano. Uh, I mean, he's six. What six five? They have him at shortstop. Does he stick there? Like, you know, I I picture him like a Daryl Strawberry, like putting him in right field or something. You know, that's that's where I that's where I have him too. I I, I talked about this on my show, so I, I took a trip this this year in, in May. I went to each each minor league uh, team and, and watched all the prospects. And Ronnie Mauricio looked better than any prospect the Mets have, which was hilarious to me because he was the guy I've been bagging on. Um, right. But he had a great game. I mean, he, he I think he hit a homer. He hit a double. He, every single ball he hit was was deep into the outfield. And, I mean, as an athlete, the dude just – I mean, the guy's chiseled. He's huge. Um, I compared him to Joey Gallo after I saw him where – because his approach is just awful at the plate. And if you look at all the data, like the right. guy swings at everything. Um, he's he's the type of guy that you know, if I had to bet on making it or not making it, I'd probably bet that he won't make it, um, which I hate to say about someone, but um, that's just the way I feel about it. I, I think that if he can get himself into the point, he has to be able to to get himself into good counts where he can kind of guess. And uh, if he guesses right, He's going to hit a lot of home runs, right? But it's like Joey Gallo, like I said, like I and the thing about Joey Gallo is Gallo draws walks, so so Gallo at least he hits one ninety, but he might get on base at a three fifty clip in a really good season. I don't think he'll ever hit for, um, you know, the highest of averages, and so if you're not drawing your walks, it's going to be tough for Mauricio to to really stick as a big leaguer. But like, you know, you talk about ceiling, the guy's got incredible ceiling i just think the floor is is pretty low i can see him right. really falling out so do you see like uh okay so i know you don't know him personally but i'm just saying like is there any way that maybe 
you know, with training, you know, like it, would he be receptive to listening to, cause I know sometimes players don't listen to their coaches, Yeah, you know, um, would he be receptive to something like that where he changes his approach in the future? Cause I mean, I mean he's I, still young, right? How old is he? He's still, he's in his twenties still. He's early to maybe 22. Um, he's, he's young. I look, there's always a chance with him, but I, I think the industry kind of spoke on Ronnie Mauricio at the trade deadline. If, if, Ronnie Mauricio was was heavily on the table to be moved. They would have loved to use him to get a big piece. And not to say nobody wanted him, but nobody wanted him for what the Mets were asking for. So, um, you know, I, I think he's still on the block. I think that if you have a – I could very much see – let's just say the Mets do decide to keep Dom. I could very much see, like, Dom Smith and Ronnie Mauricio getting traded for, like, a reliever this offseason. It wouldn't – it would shock me. I, I just don't know – um, the value he has, I think they're going to keep keep running him out there as a shortstop and see what happens. But I, I I would not count too much on Ronnie Mauricio. So do you see his ceiling possibly as like a Wilson Betamit? I don't know if you know who Wilson Betamit was. I, I'm not familiar with Wilson Betamit. He was he was a like a top prospect for the Braves. Okay, pretty much like a Mauricio, like initially, like you know, supposed to be like this power hitter, and he had a decent career. You know, he was a switch hitter. Just like, yeah. you know, big guy, just like Mauricio, you know. Like, like I said, I, I think his ceiling is Joey Gallo. If he ever reaches that ceiling, I don't know. And I think um, you know, there's a good chance that he could be a guy that will strike out 270 times and hit 40 home runs. In the God. <laughs> That's what I think about him. Okay, I, got I, I, I got you. I got you. So let's get back to <laughs> let's get back to Alex Ramirez, man. What, yeah. what What's his ceiling? What do you see? Can you comp him to anybody? Uh, I haven't watched enough of him to give a direct comp, but I mean, what I would say is he has the potential to be a five tool center fielder and the Mets don't have anyone else in the organization right now that we can directly say that about, unless they're planning on moving Jet Williams to center who they just drafted. But right. uh, he's once these guys graduate, he's the best prospect in the Mets farm system. Once Alvarez and, and Beatty are officially up, he, he's the best prospect they have. All right. So he's the next in line. Yeah, and and so and Parada, how long do you think it'll take for him to run through the minors? And and again, he's a positional, he's a person that you know he's catcher. You know, we yeah. have Alvarez. You know, what what do we and do he's, with? He's do we do not with that? necessarily a great catcher either. So it's funny because when we were talking before about about Vientos, I was actually thinking like, yeah, Parada is kind of another one that'll be in that mix and potentially. I mean, uh, a college player. He he obviously was in low A at the end of the year. Next year, he'll start in high A, but um, he could skyrocket through the farm system. I see Kevin Parada as a guy that will tear the cover off the ball in the minor leagues and very much will be on the table at the deadline next year, um, assuming that Alvarez kind of breaks out the way we expect because I really think that the catcher position for the Mets long-term here is I, I think that Tomas Nito is the type of guy that they can retain. Um, I think he's the per- – I, I, I said it two years ago. I say he's the backup catcher of the future – <laughs> which I'm like, it's like a backhanded compliment, but it's right. true. I mean, that's the type of guy that he is. He's a great defensive catcher. Um, he's actually hitting great right now. Right, so, he's I mean, got some Nito, pop. Nito's the starter in the playoffs for the Mets this year. Right. Um, but I think it'll be Alvarez and Nito long-term. We'll see what they do with James McCann. I, I think Parada's the guy that they drafted because he was the best player available. Um, and if he becomes your DH, he becomes your DH. But I can see him being moved at some point, too. Oh, wow, that, that'd be crazy. I mean, the personality was awesome. Like when when they interviewed him and everything, he seemed real humble and everything. Um, you never know, and it could be. I mean, you look at the Braves right now with Darnell and Contreras. 
Um, you could see the Mets, you know, have have those two guys, Proud and Alvarez, and, and maybe you need to having a three catcher mix. Um, and and whoever's not catching is DHing. I mean, these right. these guys are really talented hitters, and that's why the Mets drafted them. Do you do you see Prada athletic enough to play maybe in the outfield, the left field? No, I I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him yet to give you an honest answer on it. Um, so he'll be I've, like a Duda. Maybe, yeah, yeah. All, all I've heard about him is that catcher, and I think that there's work to be done as a catcher. And so, obviously, his value is to be an awesome offensive player at the catcher position. So that's where they're going to develop him. Um, I'm sure, you know, if it's with the Mets or another team, he'll probably be able to play some first base too. But uh, I think that's a, that's a future problem. Next year, it's going to be about him playing. I'm sure he'll start in Brooklyn and probably finish in Double A, and we'll just see. He'll, he'll be. He'll probably, if I had to, to bank on anyone to be like the minor league player of the year next year for the Mets, it's Kevin Parada. Yeah, and then you, you brought up McCann. Like, what do we do with that? <laughs> you, you, you know, eight million dollars, and you trade him somewhere else. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it. Oh my God. I mean, he, he seems athletic. He looks like a big dude. I mean, it just like he just doesn't look like a major league baseball player. Not you know? to pat myself on the back, but I hated that contract as soon as it happened. I was yeah. pretty loud about it, and. uh you know, the, re- the reality was he was great in the 2020 season. Um, and he was, I think he might have been an all star in 2019. Uh, but with Chicago, his, right? Yeah. Chicago. Yeah. But his first half, he was awesome. Second half fell off completely. So I'm like, which is funny. It's almost stealing a Brody Van Wagen in line with, with Zach Wheeler, but it was like they paid him off two good half seasons. <laughs> um, that's what they did, though, with this guy. Yeah. And uh, unlike Wheeler, it was true. So, yeah, I think they got on this with two more years after this. I want to say it's like, what was it, four for 50 or something? So maybe 12 and a half he's making. It's not a crazy contract. I think that they, they'll they probably, you know, eat the money. Who knows? Maybe that's the type of thing where you eat money and you send like a, a Ronnie Mauricio as like a, you know, here you go. Here's a here's like a, a token for taking our James McCann off our hands for us. You, you get a prospect that you can hopefully develop in your system. I I would think that they're going to try to trade him this off season because I think they're pretty set next year with that. I'd be shocked if Alvarez wasn't the starting catcher opening day next year, man, that's, that's a bold claim, man. (laughs) Well, you know, he's up now and and he's, I just, now that they've already decided to go to him, um, especially because you will still have a Nito. But is he good? Is Alvarez good? Yeah. Behind the plate. I think he's going to be. I think that he's he's progressed a lot throughout the season. I think he has a whole off season to develop. And if James McCann's still on the roster come spring training, that would probably tell us that maybe his catching isn't where it needs to be. But I gotcha. Uh, I feel pretty confident that they're going to get him there. And you know, the the best way to teach him is at the big league level. So you 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 learn throughout games during the season, and he'll have some growing pains, I bet. But the potential, like he's your future backstop. So you, I think it's. It's time to go to him. Right. So so I guess we're hoping that he's like Alonzo, you know, wasn't yeah. touted highly defensively, but works on it and, and eventually, you know, it becomes serviceable. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's, he's a strong guy back there. You know, I, I think that his arm is pretty good still. So um, it's a matter of the nuances of catching, calling a game, um, you know, pitch framing and all that. But who knows? I mean, one of the things that I was saying too, is I was like, you know, if, if this electronic strike zone gets here, Alvarez becomes that much more valuable because who cares what, what it's looking like, you know? Right. The framing, the, the we don't frame care doesn't about matter. <laughs> Nito's value takes a huge hit. It's just kind right. of a, a funny thing that we could see in the right. next couple of years. 
Yeah, you you were saying I think uh uh locked on Mets, I heard it today about Piazza, how his bat made up for his defense, but I mean you 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 had said that he had worked really hard and he was serviceable. So and and if we did have the DH back then, you know, it would he would be more valuable, you know, because yeah. you can you know yeah, for sure. you play him for at sure. first, you can DH him and you can catch him, you know what I mean? You have yeah. options essentially with him. All right, so in, in our minor league system, um, you don't really hear a lot about uh, our pitchers. I, I haven't, personally. I've heard more about Beatty, Vientos, and Alvarez. Who are the pitchers that we could possibly call up in the next couple of years? Who, who Who's making noise right now? The thing is, a lot of the better pitchers are, are a little bit further away. I mean, like, we saw Jose Budo this year. Um, you know, I, I talk about kind of having eight pitchers going into the season. I think that Budo as a guy on the 40 can be like your eighth starter next year. And I think that, that he can actually succeed there where he'll, he'll be in triple A for a lot of the season, but they called on him. Um, I think he'll be good. And honestly, you know, his start wasn't great. He might've given up six or seven runs, right? Uh, but we've seen other rookies make their debut and they just can't get it out. Budo right. still got through four innings. I still liked his debut as bad as it looked on paper. Um, so I, he's the one guy that's close Beyond that, like they're they're really high on Calvin Ziegler. He's one of these guys that is like a spin rate darling. Like he he has like really high um spin rates in all of his pitchers. So is he a lefty? Like, he's a righty. He's a righty. Okay. Um they have Dominic Hamill had a really nice season. Uh so he's he's going through. Uh Christian Scott uh is another guy that was a fourth or fifth round pick, I think in 2020. He's kind of coming up. So so they have a lot of, of um guys in that are that are making that jump and they were in low A this year, some in high A that that have shown something. Um, the big question mark in the system right now is when are we going to see Matt Allen pitch again? Right. Um, you know, he's the highest ceiling arm they have. Um, but we would have expected him to come back from Tommy John this year at some point, and he never did. Now, another full off season, I'm sure he'll be back on the mound next year, but I think he's going on two full years without having pitched in a game. So what's he going to look like when he comes back? Because he's the guy that you're you're looking towards that could be a frontline starter one day. And I don't think there's necessarily anyone else in the farm system I can comfortably put that label on just yet. Right. So what what was what would you think his comp would be? Like what would you comp him as before the injury? Like yeah, who was he being comp to? You know, I, I, I he has a, he he throws hard. Has had a, had a good break pitch. I think he had a good curveball. It's been a minute since I've really read up on Matt Allen. It's almost like I forgot this guy report because I haven't <laughs> seen him for so long. To be, honest I know he's with a you. big kid. I know that. Yeah, he's a big kid. I, you know, I, I I remember like some Matt Harvey stuff being thrown around, but again, that was a couple years ago. So we'll see what it looks like when he gets back on the mound. I, I know that you know he was really highly touted. Uh, they they expect a lot from him, but again, when you get to the point where it's been a couple of years, like we just don't know anymore. He's he's a big question mark, right? All right. Well, let's get into like the minor league overall. Um, this year we saw an influx of of young players getting called up. You know, Abrams, uh, Adley Rushman from uh, Baltimore, uh, Bobby Wood Jr. started the season. You know, he made the the starting lineup from the beginning. You know, opening day, and Julio Rodriguez. You know, Michael Harris. Um. Let's talk about those players. Like, which one of those do you do you like the best? Um, you know, who's going to be the superstar? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I hate Stop. to say it. Uh, 
Michael Harris, man. Michael Harris in center field is so so good. Like the, the don't don't that... don't don't hate to say it because he's the brave. I mean, I I know what you mean. I know what you, you mean. You know what I'm saying? Say. I mean, I, I know, I, I know. I, I don't want the I don't want the Braves to have the next Andrew Jones, but they might have found him. <laughs> um, that guy's so good. Julio Rodriguez, I think, has the potential to be the best player in baseball one day. Um, he's really promising. There's so much talent in the game right now. I mean. You know, you're looking at like like I don't know if you watch you know any Diamondbacks, but I saw Corbin yeah. Carroll lay out a, a triple yeah. the other day. I'm like, that's I've never seen speed like that on a baseball yeah. field. The way he was cutting the corners and stuff. So um, there is a lot of talent in baseball right now. It's it's uh, didn't know, the they game... send down Alec Thomas? They had Alec Thomas they, up for a little they bit. They even he's have, a good player. Uh, it was Jake McCarthy. It's yeah. crazy. He had a great rookie season. I mean, probably a top five rookie in the NL. I, I literally did not know who he was until I was looking through Fangrass. And I was like, who, who is Jake McCarthy? <laughs> oh, he's a rookie. And then I did right. a dive on him. I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's really promising. So, yeah, it goes pretty deep around baseball. I, I would say, too, you know, you mentioned Adley Rutzman. Like, the, the fact that the Orioles have been in this rebuild for so long, and once he started to get his feet wet, the team took off. Like he seems to be that type of a leader. So, so Adley Rutschman's another guy that I would look towards that, you know, he could be like the next Buster Posey in baseball. Like he's right. He, he's really good too. He's like a better version of Matt Weeders. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to me, Harris is a better version of Jason Hayward. Like I'm thinking like oh, the yeah. spirit of Jason Hayward, you know, possessed yeah. Harris and is that, you know, he's trying for his second time, you know, cause yeah, there, there's some awesome, awesome players coming up. So, um, those guys we talked about, they got called up. Oh, you know who else is really good? Uh, uh, Gunnar Henderson. Yeah. He's another good prospect for Baltimore. Baltimore is going to be a, a really good team in a few years. Um, so who are the next five potential superstars you see coming up next year? Like the next Julio Rodriguez, the next Bobby Witts, you know? Like, you know, maybe, like, like an example, like uh, Grayson Rodriguez, you know, the pitcher for Baltimore. He's he's seems like yeah. he might get the call next year. You know, you're you're hitting the, an Achilles heel for me. Like outside of the Mets farm system, <laughs> wait, I, wait, I'm wait. not I'm not the prospect guy that knows everything. You know, I, I got you. I got you. It's I, okay, I, you man. Know, <laughs> go to our top 100 at Just Baseball. Uh, Arm Layton <laughs> pours hours into this stuff, right? And uh, I, I always say it's the most comprehensive top 100 you're going to find. That's not behind a paywall. Um, you know, I I think like our top five, Gabriel Moreno of the Blue Jays is on it. Uh, another yeah. catcher Alvarez is right outside. He was six. Um, I think Grayson Rodriguez and DJ Hall might've both been in the top five from the Orioles. Um, but again, th- that's not my strong suit. You want to talk Mets prospects? I know our system, but the other systems I'm, I'm not as familiar with. All right. So let's let who's, who do you think is going to surprise everyone? Which prospects going to come out of the blue and surprise everyone? Kind of like a DeGrom, let's say. Out of the Mets system. Um, yeah. Na- name like three of them and tell me why you think, you know, you say you know the system, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put me on the spot again, man. As sorry, we talked, brother. Sorry. We, we, we talked a lot. Of, okay, so uh, I think that, that Ziegler is definitely one when it comes to the pitching side. Um, you know, he, he's really promising. Uh, you know, to, to I'm about to just go to the top guys. So I'm trying to think of, like, someone that's more under the radar. Uh, I'll tell you one guy that I used to think highly of that has just been falling off a cliff was Jalen Palmer. I thought he was going to be really good. Yeah, 22 um, year old. I think he's an infielder. Uh they, yeah, they were playing him all over. They, you know, they played him at shortstop. He he had a great season in low A last year. He got out to Brooklyn. He's actually a broken kid and uh he just fell apart. So um yeah man there there's so much 
I'm trying to think of guys we haven't touched on, and I'm like drawing. What, what about a right uh, Shervin Newton? He's been around for a while. I, I don't. I don't necessarily know if, if he's gonna he's gonna be that breakthrough guy. Um, you know, they have uh, like one guy, Stanley Consuegra. That was pretty good pronunciation. If I got that right, it sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> you, you nailed it, man. You nailed it. It, it sounded good, right? Uh, he's had a really nice year, so he's a guy to watch out for as an outfield prospect. I think he's probably like twenty three years old. He got called up at the same time as Alex Ramirez did. Um, so that's a guy too that I would look at. All right, all right. Well, since you don't know much about the minor league, look, I'll end it on this. Okay, so uh, I've been watching baseball for thirty nine years. It's going to be forty years next year. I remember uh, when I was growing up and watching it, you always saw the superstars in the lineup, the stars in the lineup. There weren't a lot of injuries, but in the last like 15 years, been like a ton of injuries, uh, particularly Tommy John and just things like right now with, with we just talked about Starling, Mar- uh, Starling Marte, you know, he's gets hit on the hand back in the days. They would just, you know, rub dirt on it and, and they jump right back in. So um, what could you talk about? Like these injuries, all of, you know, that, that have, you know, take these players out for so long and so many of them, you know, like what could we do to change that? Do you, have I, I you don't, thought you know, about that? You know, I, I think that maybe part of it is the game. Like it's, it's getting so much more athletic that these guys are bigger, faster, stronger. And I think that, you know, these muscle injuries just pop up a little bit more, maybe because of that, there's just uh, so much strain that they're putting on their bodies with, with the workouts that they do along with the play where it's like back in the day, these guys just ran. I mean, that was it. You know, especially the pitchers in particular. I mean, they, you know, maybe running in some band work and now it's like they're, they are lifting and they're doing all these different things. So I think part of it, especially on the pitcher side, is this focus on max effort and hitting triple digits on the radar gun and spinning the ball as hard as you can. And I think we've gotten away a little bit from just natural pitchers and just just pitching. Um, so I think that can explain the pitching side of it. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't know exactly if the position players have been getting hurt more now than they did 15 years ago. But if I had to guess, I would say maybe it's just, you know, better athletes that, um, you know, just just bigger, faster, stronger than maybe get hurt a little more. I think they put because they put their body through a lot of strenuous. Actually, but, but uh, you know, it's also you would think that the sports science is getting to a point that it would the injuries would be better, not worse. Right. I, I, I think the yeah. other side of it, too, is guys probably played through more stuff back in the day where you saw them in the lineup card every single day, but you didn't know what they were going through. And maybe that's the difference. Whereas now we're, we're trying to protect the athletes more. And if you, you pull a hammy, you're not playing through it. You're, you're going on the IL for two weeks and making gotcha. sure you're hundred percent. Should we bring the spider tack back? Should we allow the pitchers to, to continue to use spider tack? So they're not hitting everybody. You know, it's funny <laughs> that it was such a big issue last year. It seems like it kind of faded away. Uh, I, I would say no, but I, I do think there should be some substance that's, you know, approved by the league that, you know, helps these guys grip the baseballs. I mean, certainly uh, Buck Showalter would appreciate with the amount of Mets that were hit this year. So, All right, man. So let's jump into like real quick and then we'll we'll call it a day, man. And I, again, I appreciate you doing this. I know you could be doing something else, but you, you're a fan of other sports teams. Um, What do you think of the Giants? I mean, three and one, we got the Packers coming up. Yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. It's uh, you know, it's funny because I, I, I told you I delivered pizza. So, I would open on Sundays, and so I would basically just be like following fantasy. I wouldn't really get a chance to watch. It's the first season I'd be able to watch the Giants and feel it since like high school. Um, so it's been it's been cool to get back into it. Uh, I think that the defense looks good. I think they have a good coach, but Saquon Barkley like looks like like rookie Saquon Barkley again, which yeah. is the biggest thing. 
We need so, him. Uh, yeah. So, so if he, if he's back and, uh, I got way too excited when I saw OBJ was in the facility the other day. Apparently, they threw some cold water on that. He was just meeting some players. All right. Uh, I would love it. And Landon Collins, I think, did meet with the team. So those were kind of the last. That When when the two of them left, I kind of left for a couple of years. I was like, right. man, those are my guys. So if they get Landon Collins and OBJ back this season, I will be all in. But I think that it's at least a team that, that'll, you know, be be close to the playoffs this year, I think. So, so uh, OBJ is a free agent? Yeah, man, we heard his he hurt his knee in the Super Bowl, obviously, and uh, I don't know when he's going to be back, but he's a free agent. I mean, would he want to play with the Giants or go play with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? I mean, you know, right. if I'm I know. him, if I'm him, I, I'd right. probably go to Green Bay. Right. But as a Giants fan, I'm gonna hold that hope that he comes back home. And what do you think of uh, the the Heat? Do you think they uh, make it to the playoffs again? You think they yeah, get a man. championship this time? Like, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. The Heat are like really my team. Like where. Uh, I can just root for it. And I don't gotta, you know, with the mess, there's so much more that goes into it now <laughs> with my with my <laughs> job. So, you know, like the heat is where I get to be the irrational, emotional fan. And uh, I'm all in on the heat. Always am. Um, I'm actually moving close to the Miami area in a couple of weeks here. And so I'm actually thinking about looking into season tickets. So I'm, I'm right. pretty fired up about the heat. I, I love Jimmy Butler, share a birthday with him. Shout out to him. September That's 14th. Cool. Yeah. He's a great player. <laughs> I like him. He's so good, man. He he's been so good in the playoffs that the two runs the Heat have had, um, him and and Bam. I, I don't think that the national media gives the the Heat any respect. Cause it's a lot of undrafted guys, but like you you talk about you know respecting a franchise run the right way. Like as a Heat fan, I've never had to worry about any of the bullshit I've worried about as a Mets fan. Like no, I got you. They're they're 100%. always trying to win. They're always run the right way. Um, and so it's it's. I, I never have to like fear going into a heat season that's going to be terrible because they're, they're always competitive. Yeah, and I always think that uh Spolstra doesn't get the credit. He's very oh, underrated, he's... underrated coach. Great. He's 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 very similar to like a po- uh po- Popovich in a way. Yeah, yeah. You I'm know? I'm biased, but I'd yeah. say he's the best coach in the NBA. Hey, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate on you for that, man. So what what's what do you have anything going on? Any projects? Anything going on in the future that you want to talk uh, about? Yeah, man, stay tuned. Uh, you know, right now it's just locked on Mets and just baseball, but I'm going to have my own show uh, through just baseball coming right after the season. So we're still developing the concept, but it's obviously a baseball show. Um, it'll be more focused on the entire league and kind of tied into what I do as the editor with, with the written content we put out, kind of spotlighting the articles that we write. But uh, still in developments, but uh, in a month uh, it'll be announced, and uh, I'm excited to have kind of a second show to work on too to build out. All right, brother. Last question. What do you see the Mets doing uh, in the winter going into spring training? To me, man, I, I'm I'm most – I mean, look, it's Steve Cohen. They're going to be aggressive. I'm most interested on in what happens with their, their current free agents. Uh, I think Edwin Diaz is the best bet to be back, um, which we wouldn't have said two years ago. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, Jacob deGrom, what are they going to do with those guys? i like to see all of them back, but particularly deGrom and Diaz and um, – if they do lose out on Nimmo, what are they going to do to replace him? So it's an interesting offseason. It'd be kind of funny if Nimmo ended up walking and getting a huge contract and Michael Conforto came back to play right field and they moved Marte to center. Could be a, could be a scenario we see play out. You never know. That'll that'll be crazy. That'll it's be a possibility. Crazy. It's a but possibility. It's, but what's weird is that Nimmo made himself this year into oh, a center, great fielder. center fielder. Yeah, yeah, he turned himself into a really good center fielder. It'd be tough to kind of lose that. It would be, but so um, I want him back. Ryan, listen, I'd like to have you back on 
before spring training starts to kind of yeah, talk about real. what what's going to happen as we go into next season and then maybe you know again we'll do it at the end of the of next season we'll have you know so I'll have you on twice next year if that's cool yeah for sure man. Yeah, all right fun. but thank you so much i appreciate it man yeah all right my man stay good brother all right have a good one man